from Colossians 2, 6 to 23 from the message. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You receive Jesus Christ, the master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you, too. His power extends over everything. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in, insiders, not through some secret of initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants of the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. So, don't put up with anyone pressuring you in details of diet, worship services, or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. That's a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He is the head. We are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. So then, if with Christ you've put all that pretentious and infantile religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't, do near, don't get near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if said in a deep enough voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic. 
but they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. A church should be measured by its substance. Amen? I chose this reading, Breaking from the Lectionary, because as I read it a month ago, doing simple things like nursing a baby, I thought of any quintessential verse that captures the gospel and captures simplicity, it is this. Don't put up with anyone pressuring you into details of diet, worship services, or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. It's pretty sad that for many people that have gone to church their whole life, they never get the substance. Today, we're going to finalize our time through our value series. This is the sixth of our values at Providence Baptist Church, simplicity. And I got to say, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the paraphrase, the message, put this in such a way that I heard it differently and more powerfully than ever before. Let me read again And I'll read bits and pieces along the way because I just think it's awesome. Don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. They're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life. The source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece. How many of you came together in many different pieces? Perhaps today in the silence and in the quiet of our heart, we recognize we need to be put together. Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He is the head, and we are the body. We can grow up healthy in God only, only as he nourishes us. Okay, we can go home, right? That's the punchline. That's it. That's the goal of our Christian journey, the end. All right, not really. And though I wish I could preach eight minutes like T last Sunday, I I must confess, I have a lot of energy about this subject. So it might be a little bit closer to 15. Paul is telling the Colossian church and the modern church, which is the beauty of our Holy Scripture, that you look for all kinds of ways of trying to make meaning in your life trying to find meaning except the one source we don't we all get into intellectual when's the last time you got an intellectual debate about religion about faith 
about things that matter to you and found out that the sore spot was you wanting to be right. Nobody? Man, you are a much humbler crowd than myself. I must confess that I find myself in these places of arguments. Sadly, we all find that our fulfillment lies typically in most any other place but in Christ. But I want to come back to the kernel of this text when Paul says, in Christ, you find your fulfillment. In Christ, that's it. Not any of these other places. But, you know, I feel like we sort of have, like, people that go to Sam's. We sample, right? How many people go to Sam's for the samples? One of our, our good friends from the Joseph Center, a guest, is now one of the samplers, people that pass out the samples at Sam's. So we were striking up a conversation about sampling. And I think, and as I started thinking, a lot of us get engaged in our life and especially in our faith, like we're at Sam's shopping and sampling. I don't know why we do it, but we're always distracted. We always struggle from attention deficit. We're dissatisfied. And as Richard Rohr states, most of us are still shooting for the stars. We are looking at a sense, a higher state of consciousness and moral perfectionism, while Jesus quite simply comes and lives among us. Our theological value at Providence and its practical application is tied up in this word, simplicity. I think of all the values of our church, this one might be the most unique to us and the most misunderstood. In fact, as I've tried to preach it now, this is the fourth, I get a fourth shot at preaching this. I think it's the hardest to explain, so I'm trying a different angle this time. So lean in with me as I try to unpack it. First, there's a difference between simplicity and symbolism. There's a difference between simplicity and symbolism. Let me, another, you know how I have these recommended readings for Providence? So your next one is Freedom of Simplicity by Richard Foster. Hear what he says. He says, Christian simplicity lives in harmony with the ordered complexity of life. I love that. He doesn't try to say simplicity should be separated from our complex lives. It repudiates easy dogmatic answers to tough, intricate problems. In fact, it is this grace that frees us sufficiently to appreciate and respond to the complex issues of our contemporary lives. The duplicitous mind, on the other hand, tends to confuse and obscure while the dogmatic person cannot understand the diversity in simplicity. The double-minded person cannot perceive the unity in complexity. Okay, so that's right? But essentially what he's saying is they're in the midst of life, and of course our Christian faith is the truth of paradox. 
that in our complex system from the atom to the galaxy, there is simplicity. In tandem with this complex world, maybe I can make it, bring it down to earth a little bit. When people step into our church, which all of you did at one point as a visitor, you notice something palpably different than perhaps other church experiences. And sometimes it's hard to put your finger on. I say this because I've heard many of you, as one of my roles as pastor, is to sit down with visitors and prospective members, many times over coffee. What I've heard time and time again, without being able to name it, is the value of simplicity they find here. For people hungry to heal from craziness and chaos, not just of everyday life, but for those who are trying to find healing from the chaos of religious disenfranchisement, denominational backfighting, and simply spiritual trauma. And more importantly, I hear from people that they want healing from the chaos, the yearnings and hungers that ache within. And that when they step into the silence and into this sacred space, quite simply, they finally find it. Christ. Unencumbered, but Christ alone. Imagine it. Oh my God, we actually experience the presence of God in church of all places. But to me, the greatest purpose of our being together must be fostered, worship, by this value of simplicity. In fact, this very week, I had a conversation with someone, a member of another church, who told me that she was on the outreach committee of their church. She said she was tired of going to all the outreach meetings at her church. They're currently doing a study on outreach, and she's involved in another committee related to outreach. She told me, I got this brilliant idea. I was so disgusted with all the church busyness, I decided to start volunteering at a nonprofit in town. There's a thought. At some point... We have to put the gospel to practice, not just study it. Simplicity. Simplicity and even uttering those words makes us all feel uncomfortable because we all live in the glut of our culture, in the prosperity of the United States of America, which is a gift. It's a gift and a curse. And if you've studied a little bit about the spiritual disciplines, you know that simplicity is one long-standing tradition and typically is the most outward of the spiritual disciplines. And so you hear a lot of folks talking about the material call to simplicity. And while most of us could use a word to draw us to live more simply materially, recognizing that our stuff sometimes holds us down, and that we could use a little more generosity, 
perhaps fewer clothes, perhaps maybe even going down to one car. The call today is not just material. And so I move into the most important piece of why we value simplicity at Providence. The value of simplicity is the spiritual attitude that we hold all things lightly. It's a posture that says, guess what? God holds everything together. God created all things. So actually, I possess nothing, not really, not even my own children. But we are called to steward all things. And so if we hold all things lightly, we rarely get caught up in trifles. We recognize that we're the ones that get tripped up when we get so attached to our ideas, things that possess us, and we walk around heavier because of it. Like I mentioned before, the man or woman who has to be right. There's a great attachment of worth. Have you noticed it? That if he or she is not right, it's a challenge to identity. Wow. What burden it must be to always be right. When the value of simplicity says... I hold all things lightly and find freedom in what really matters, which is relationship. And so here we are in Lent on this first Sunday, and what better way to begin than talking about how to be simple? For it is the Lenten tradition that shines a spotlight on the things that have a hold on us. And where we need to surrender, which results in simplifying. I want you to hear again, Paul, step on our feet just a little bit. As he does to these Colossian people. I don't know why, but they seem to have made this very complex and rule following. I don't know anybody that would do that. Or as someone said this last week, and deeper. Make it about envelopes that we check off, whether we brought our Bible and our offering. Here he says this. That's how I envision Paul when he says this. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Go ahead with what you've been given. You received Jesus Christ, the master. Now live him You're deeply rooted in him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject. Ouch. And start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. And then Paul, as if that didn't hurt enough, right? Especially, you know, being sort of in the business. here's his warning. Watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. Is that not for the 21st century or what? 
They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and the empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. And now, as if he's doing (laughs) a poetry slam, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ. And if you'll read any version, NIV, next to the message here, you're going to see exactly what he's doing. It's beautiful. And by the way, he's very conversant with the Greek. Not that it says horoscope in the Greek there, but he allows some liberties. But in terms of meaning equation, it's quite, quite brilliant. And then he finishes, when you come to Christ, that fullness comes together for you too. Our problem is that we've gotten too sophisticated for our own britches. We've analyzed and moralized our faith to such an extent we've forgotten the power and source of the subject, Jesus Christ. We've made the gospel too hard, as Michael said in his prayer. We've forgotten what we've taught our children. Jesus loves me, this I know. And we keep adding to the equation, and churches do this Paul says, it's not your good works, so don't add them. It's not your special holy days, so don't add them. It's not your outward signs, your circumcision. Only Jesus makes you full. And yet we keep adding to the equation, Jesus plus good morals, Jesus plus spiritual disciplines, Jesus plus good deeds, Jesus plus Christian jargon and a good bumper sticker and hey, if it's on a t-shirt, even better. And yet Paul says, these are good things, yes, but these are not the thing. We can't handle the simplicity of that. And surely 2,000 years has taught us to be more savvy. Ha. No, I have to go back with what T said last week about a church mission statement brought from the Moravians. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. But how this works out practically in churches is a little more difficult. So let's just, let's just go there. All right? How many of you don't like the color of this carpet? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what we do... With this is what matters. We can all have a warm fuzzy right now, and I'll feel okay about that. But it's, can we live this? This is where it would get really exciting to show how we live out this faith differently at Providence. For example, many people have deacon bodies that create a fragmentation within the congregation and can create some really bad infighting. Now, there's nothing wrong with having deacons. In fact, it's quite scriptural, the diaconate in the New Testament. But early on, the framers of this church decided not to have deacons. It's pretty interesting. 
I've had many people in Providence 101 say, what is that about? We've decided that we wanted all people to be a part of congregational life and congregational decisions, which is why business meetings are so important, by the way. I didn't, that's not in here, but. <laughs> but we in churches love to say, yeah, it's Jesus, but it's Jesus in the rules that we made. It's Jesus in our bylaws. It's Jesus in our policies. It's Jesus in the deacons. It's Jesus plus X, Y, Z. And our church says, let's remember to hold all things lightly. Let's remember if there's a brouhaha over the carpet color that we go back to this value. And when things get heated, hopefully before, we say, you know, we decided that was a non-essential. The carpet color is a non-essential. But, you know, in non-essentials, liberty, right? What really matters is our unity in Christ. So let's hold lightly this carpet color and see if we can't come to consensus by listening to one another Knowing that my reason or my hard opinion about it is not the only one that matters. And in the end, if the carpet color is not to my liking, I recognize that I'm not giving up an essential, something life-shattering, if only Jesus is what really matters. That'll put us in our place, right? Y'all, this is important. This value is so important because I feel like in the 21st century, this is where churches have lost the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Churches in the past became tied down, burying their members with church busyness and burnout. And worship became harder and harder for people. And I have to say, and I know, I think I'm going over 15 minutes, But I have to say that I did my training in a church in Waco. Yeah, that was my problem, right? Uh, At Dayspring Baptist Church. You know, they went from seven families to 400 people. And when they asked the pastor, what happened? You know, how did it explode in membership and church growth? What's your secret? What's your success? Blah, blah, blah. You know what he said? We didn't put up a sign. We didn't advertise. We didn't have deacons. We trusted in the Holy Spirit. It is powerful. And when you walk in that place, you feel it. The trust. We're going to trust something than a, a church growth model. In fact, the first year of their existence, they didn't have a pastor. They wanted it that way. To learn and grow together to experiment, trusting the voices of each other. And you feel it when you walk in, the value of simplicity. And I want to say this, because if all the things I say, I hope you will hear this. In everything we do, we should ask, are we doing it for institutional maintenance or worship and mission. Now, there's always a part of institutional maintenance required, and there's nothing wicked about that. But the question should always ask, 
Is it just for institutional maintenance or does it promote worship and mission? This is how we value simplicity. Not getting bogged down in programming that may be good, but it doesn't overall promote worship and our mission. Being a simple church means saying no to things. We're not going to be able to be and do all things for all people. And I've seen a lot of churches go by the wayside because they try to be all things to all people. Whether what we need to do, rather, is to know our birth story, know who we are, our mission. We're not going to take things on that we don't have resources for. Just because it's the latest way people do church. Don't you know this is how they attract visitors now? The band, Robert. (laughs) That's how they attract visitors now. Uh, That's just a fun jab that Robert and I have. We're not going to put a children's vacation Bible school together with a jump house and a ball thingy because all the other best churches are doing it and they draw in children that way. And if we draw on the children, that's how we'll get the people. You know why we don't do that? We don't have the resources for that. And you know what we realized early on? If we trust the Holy Spirit, there may be a creative third way. Which people before I came realized and joined with, take a breath, other non-Baptist churches to do an ecumenical vacation Bible school. How about that? We pull our resources together and have a vacation Bible school. But here's the kicker. If we do that, we can't now say we have the best VBS in town. And if that's where you get your good times, you're in for it. And here's what I really, as I sort of distilled all of this, I realized in the end, if we don't care who get the accolades, the accolades, then the work and mission of the church will still get done. And in the end, I think this value of simplicity is about sacrificing the ego, the church ego. This is our building. These are our clergy. These are our programs. It's about God. Oh, yeah. And for you and me as a simple person and in this Lenten season, it's also about learning to say no as an individual. Saying no to things and maybe saying yes to other things. Living simply is a wonderful value, but it's not easy. I had 11 weeks of simple living. Feed a baby. Diaper the baby. Pick up the baby when he cries. But guess what? It was so simple. Anyone can do it. But it is so not easy. So for you, again, practically speaking, how do you practice holding all things lightly? If you're typing out a paper, 
for those of you students out there, a work document, a sermon, and let's just say you accidentally delete it. A person who values simplicity and holding all things lightly should say, it's a non-essential. In the grand scheme of eternal life, it's just a paper, a document, a sermon, and if it came once, it can come again. <laughs> but, oh, we are so, so, so attached to our words, to our rightness, to getting good grades, to being morally pure, to being the best church, to having the best family. Ugh. Yeah, freaking right. Really, if we recognize it's not about being right, but it's about Christ, we may have found our simple answer. When people walk into this church and see we trust children with candles, and maybe they're going to light the church on fire, but we hold all things lightly. You think I'm kidding. The funny, the irony of it all is when we practice simplicity, those things don't happen. It's, it's a really funny thing. We trust children with candles. We trust children with reading scripture and saying prayers, even if they get it wrong. We value holding lightly simplicity that we trust our children with these things. And that when you walk into this place of providence, not only do you see that in action, you'll also notice you don't see a lot of heated debates at business meetings. You don't see people, when they walk in, you notice a spirit of trust. You notice immediately a lack of religious trappings and decorations. You notice immediately, if you look at our mission statement, that we encourage questions of faith and that those are not silenced. That's holding lightly. Most people and most churches cannot do that. And when people walk in at free-for-all or a conversational sermon and recognize that the voice of the proclamation is a voice from the people that intersects the text, not this person. They recognize we hold all things lightly. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely a control freak. <laughs> but I'm practicing simplicity with you. That's how I'm not any better than all this stuff. But we're practicing it together. That's how we build in the faith, rooted and grounded in Christ. And so I close again with the brilliant words of Peterson. So then, if with Christ you've put all that pretentious and infantile religion behind you, 
Why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if said in deep enough voice. I don't have to worry about that. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic. But they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. Entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. We hold lightly. It's not a matter of keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in. Insiders. Not through some secretive initiation rite, but rather of what Christ has already done. Destroying the power of sin and raising Christ. And when you're stuck in your old sin-dead life, you are incapable of responding to God But God brought you alive, right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the street. This is the good news. It's simple. You've been forgiven. You are loved with an unimaginable love. Now to settle down now in that Christ love. For in the end, that's all that matters. That's the only substance there is. Amen.